We have our record release show lined up, and we have our t-shirts lined up, and yeah, we're just like getting ready to play the show and for the album to come out. You're in sort of a holding pattern right now, it seems like. Yeah, I would, I feel like we're just like preparing, you know? We practiced yesterday. Yeah. And <laughs> That's good. How often are you practicing these days? Mm, not that much, <laughs> to be honest. Well, because, so John, one of the other guys in the band, is in another band, uh-huh. Hill, so he practices a lot, plays lots of shows. But yeah, we practice whenever we can, and uh, we've been, like, working on some new songs to, like, have some fun, like, new stuff to play at the show, too, so that's been fun. Since you haven't put an album out yet, you're kind of side project status at this point for the people who have the other projects, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. So how do you push to the front of that line, or do you just sort of accept that um, for the time being... Yeah, I'm just kind of accepting it. I'm also, I'm producing Pill album, so when he says he can't do a blush practice, I'm actually, you know, I'm kind of pleased also because he's rehearsing for the record we're about to record yeah. with the other band. There's a small circle of friends and a lot of us play in or produce, you know, similar projects. So it's pleasing but frustrating to be so busy. You've got this nebulous group of people. How do you end up on this lineup? So yeah, I had all these songs and I knew that A, I wanted to like record them in a more like professional setting because yeah. I had just recorded them on my computer. And I knew that if I wanted to play live, I would need other people to play with me. And I already knew Andy and John and Nick through, we're just all friends and they were all in another band together. So it just felt like very easy. <laughs> you just bar- you basically borrowed Borrow- the band? Yeah. Well, that band also doesn't exist anymore. Okay. So. That's handy. Yeah. And we, like, before I even recorded, my friend had asked me to play, like, a blush show at his birthday and just, like, a one-off kind of thing. I had, like, never performed any of the songs before. And I had asked John and Nick, the other guys in the band, if they would just, like, learn the songs and play with me, just the three of us. And we did that, and I feel like that worked out nicely. So when it was time to actually record everything for real, I called him back up. So Blush was just you at first? Yeah, yeah. I was in another band called Darlings for a really long time. And I was always just, like, kind of writing songs Mm -hmm. on my own. Sometimes I would, like, bring them to the band, but I don't know. They just, like, felt kind of different. And it was also just kind of nice to, like, have my own little thing to work on. So, yeah, I it was just me, and then I asked people to play with me. It sounds like early on there were really no expectations for you or anyone else. No, yeah. <laughs> there weren't. I mean, I still have pretty, like, I don't want to say low expectations, but... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with low expectations. I think I, think I have kind of, like, no expectations. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like stuff is starting to come together and yeah. before the first record even came out. How did that, how did the ball get rolling on that? Initially, we were just going to put it online, like on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. And then actually, John sent it to Alyssa DeHaze, who's Pills, his other band's publicist. Mm-hmm. And she was really into it. And she was like, I actually have my own record label. Like, why don't, why don't we put this out yeah. on the record label? So, and that was like literally like two weeks before we were going to put it out on Bandcamp. So we kind of thought it over and talked with her a bit more. And then it just felt like a really good fit, a really good idea. So we went with it. So now we have like a much more traditional like release date. And like she's also a publicist full time. So she's been helping us doing press. And that's like a totally new thing to me. There's a certain level of 
I don't know if pressure is the right word, but maybe you are raising expectations a little bit when you move from just sticking stuff out into the ether and seeing what happens. Yeah. Well, personally, I just felt like we had all worked really hard on the songs and I felt like I wasn't really, I don't know, I just didn't want to turn down an opportunity that felt really Mm -hmm. right and felt really natural. I just was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Like for me, you know... I don't really have much to lose, I guess. How do expectations change when that happens, you know, versus, again, just putting this out over Bandcamp or through Twitter or something? Well, I think, you know, involving more people always creates some more expectations, even with you guys being in the band. Like, I feel like I don't want to let you down. It's like you're you're giving your time to this project. And like, I want to be considerate of everyone who's giving time to this project. So, you know, like Alyssa, too, I want to make sure that we're kind of like making good on our agreement, you know, to all like work really hard for this thing. So I guess that's part of it. But I I don't really feel like pressure from anyone else. Something that we've talked about throughout the years, though, that Mara introduced me to, which I think you probably can explain a lot better, Mm -hmm. but I believe it's called Shine Theory. Shine Theory, it's like, do you know that journalist Anne Friedman and Aminatu So? They have a podcast called Call Your Girlfriend and Shine Theory is like their thing. And it's basically kind of just like paying it sideways. And it's about like, well, I guess this does kind of relate. So yeah, instead of like kissing upwards to like your idols or like trying mm-hmm. to like find mentors who are like older than you or more successful than you, it's more about getting involved with your peers and like lifting each other up like all together. Like, I shine, you shine, you shine, I shine. And so I think for me, I just, yeah, it was like an opportunity to work with all my friends and get friends to like take pictures and other friends to design stuff and like, I don't know, other friends to write things. I just felt like we have all these really fun, talented friends. It was like an opportunity for us to like all work together on something. seems like you're in a good place in that you obviously have this thing coming out, but expectations are at a level where you can still enjoy the process. Yeah. And that's like all I really care about, yeah. I think. <laughs> that was part of the verbal agreement from day one, pretty much was just like, Andy, do you want to record this? And then you can kind of play bass, right? Like, <laughs> let's let's do it and just... And you can have... kind of play bass. Yeah. That was the... Uh... <laughs> you can... Maybe not the exact words, yeah. but just sort of like... You know, we're all really busy, you know? Yeah. And just to celebrate and actually relax and have fun, that's kind of where this project started. And that was so almost the inverse of every other musical project I had worked on up until that point. So from the standpoint of everyone else was expecting this to really go somewhere and to be a big break. Right. Or like full time, you know, like four or five rehearsals a week, kind of, you know, four or five months out of the year away and that sort of thing. And that wasn't that attractive to me at the time when Mara approached me about this and was like, you want one or two nights a week? And we're kind of (laughs) doing that anyways, just as friends. It, It felt different and special and like, I, I truly believe in the low expectations making me happier kind but, of but, thing. I mean, pressure, but pressure can be a good thing, right? Or expectations can be a good thing. And certainly it's hard to get anything done if you don't set deadlines for yourself, if you don't really mark a certain number of days off on the calendar. I think we have high performance expectations, but <laughs> low response expectations. Yeah. If somebody tweets... Mario will send it to the group text and be like, holy shit. You know, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, I do believe in like setting deadlines and stuff. Yeah. I think that is really helpful. And like I had these songs for like years. So I definitely know about like not doing anything with something. In 2016, I had like a few New Year's resolutions and one of them was to record a blush album. We made that happen. <laughs> and then I just were like, I was like, we're going to do this. I remember I talked to you on my birthday that year and I was like, let's do it. I just like felt ready. I don't know why. I feel like once you get other people involved, it's like, okay, there's like more on the line here. Yeah. It's not just up to me. So I feel like that helped. Once you start telling people about stuff, then they're like going to ask you about it and you want to be like, oh yeah, still working on it. <laughs> it's going to happen. You sort of put it out in the world in a sense so that people will bother you about it. So you have to get your shit together. And, yeah, and kind do it. of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just it's very self-motivated, I guess, but. And that's why it's kind of been a slow process, yeah. but at least it's it's happening. And you gave yourself a, a year to to record it. Yeah, but that's not terrible. That's actually yeah. not bad at all for a first record. I mean, it sounds like yeah. it actually came together. Yeah. How old is the oldest song that you recorded for the new record? Mm, I mean, honestly, some of them are from like 2008 or 2009 oh, wow. or something. I don't know. They're just like old songs that I had around. <laughs> on my computer. How fully formed were they? Pretty, I mean, I had like a pretty fully formed demo for every song, I would say. Maybe not like all of the the parts, you know, like the overdubs and stuff. Yeah. Like I would play bass part on guitar or like use keyboard and it would sound really different. But we were able to like easily kind of transfer those into like real songs, I think. And some of them were like extremely short. And like we made them longer <laughs> and like filled them out. And yeah. And then we like recorded something much newer, I would say. The tools she was using to make the demos I was attracted to, which was like just really crude, you know, microphone into GarageBand. And so they sounded yeah. really dissonant and like the shortness and dissonance of them was really interesting. And I felt like it was mixed in a really cool way in a way like a lot of those demos I think can hold up. You appreciated the production of the yeah, demo yeah. versions? Yeah, exactly. So you actually produced the record as yeah. well? Was there an yeah. attempt to find a way to recapture some of that? Yeah, a little bit in, in some of the, the harmonies. But it was really just, it was, I think, much more subtle and to, to us. Like, yeah. Okay, we it was more about like retaining a lot of these melodies that were kind of poking out, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And then, you know, the sort of like dissonant stuff doesn't really appear on the record that much but it was sort of what brought me to enjoying it in the first what, place what do you mean when you say dissonant in this respect just sort of like maybe <laughs> maybe mara didn't play something right but okay. it was kind of like like like, like yeah off key yeah okay or like off time or yeah. just like, like reverbs key. like really conflicting with the way the compression was set or something like that and i just <laughs> felt like it was like almost like outsider art. yeah exactly <laughs> just like kind of classic yeah. like bedroom songwriter person that puts you in, a, in an interesting place though because you know obviously you want this to be the product of a band but you're trying mm. to to retain some of that how do you how do you walk that line we kept it extremely simple yeah. um in fact we just realized that two of the songs are remarkably similar <laughs> to one another to one another okay yeah and we just pared it down to really extreme basics like root notes kind of things and then sort of like as we went along i think my job was to just kind of direct the vocal production in a way that retained that um, original demo. But like, if you listen to the rhythm tracks, they're just super 
simple and just taking like the melodic elements f- from the demo that I felt and Mara felt like lasted. The way that I recorded all the demos, it was on GarageBand mm-hmm. with like the GarageBand like preset drums. Yeah. So it just sounds like a drum, drum machine. machine. Yeah. And so that's basically how John played <laughs> kind of. Um, and then, yeah, I think like I, before we started recording, I like made a, like a mix, like a playlist of songs that I liked the way that they sounded. And I like gave that to you, I think. In terms of someone else's songs, like just aesthetically yeah, that yeah, you. Yeah, just kind of like this is the vibe that like I what? like want the recording. I mean, what was on there? I don't know. Like <laughs> Young Marble Giants, like some broadcast songs, mm. like, I don't know. Melodies, yeah. Um, sort of like fuzzy, reverby kind yeah, of. Yeah, but stuff that still felt like kind of intimate. There's yeah. like Frankie Cosmo song on there or something. Yeah. yeah, just like the vibe of like, I just didn't want it. I have, I've definitely had the experience before recording where you know what you sound like as a band, like in your practice space, and then you record and then you listen back and you're like, this doesn't sound like our band. And I really wanted it to sound like, like me or like, blush whatever yeah. that is so i feel like it was really successful in doing that personally because i was just like this is like whoa this is even better than i thought it would sound so. for you since the songs were developed really in the demoing process it's kind of impossible for you to to divorce them from that yeah it's hard i mean i honestly i haven't really listened back to the demos in a long time because i don't want to like mess with my head um <laughs> but yeah, I it was I had had that experience so many times with my old band where we would just like record demos and we were like obsessed with the demos and then we would actually record and mix and be like this is good but it doesn't sound as good as the demo. But you wanted something different. I mean, you didn't want to just be woman with guitar on stage. Yeah, yeah. I wanted like a band and I wanted it to sound like better than the garage band recordings yeah. I'd made. So, yeah. I think it worked out. One thing that was helpful in retaining that original approach was John and Nick are brothers and both of them can sing really high. <laughs> and so like <clears throat> the three of their voices, I just think kind of coalesced in a nice way and kind of never, they never really poke out as like, Oh, that's a male voice mm-hmm. singing like really falsetto. It's like, it almost sounds like a young woman sometimes. Yeah. Everyone brought a lot to the recording experience. Nick is such a good guitar player and I would be like, play it worse <laughs> play it like you're me and i feel like that would help it sound more like the demo <laughs> like and we used just the smallest amps we could find and yeah. just like just really tiny things yeah. and the drum set was three just three piece really and it was fun you've played live mm-hmm. yeah we've played like we really haven't played that many shows so we've played maybe like six yeah <laughs> either three or three. six either three so, or six some, yeah yeah, some You like, actually weren't invited to three of them. Yeah. This is where you oh, find I out that you're not in the band anymore. You did watch the first show. The first... How yeah. did you end up being on the sidelines for the first show? <laughs> I was practicing with another band and then they just invited me over and they were just doing like a three piece thing and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just really liked it. Yeah, I think I just I don't know. I was like, I don't wanna like bug anybody too much. <laughs> and I knew that John and Nick were like brothers and they were like down. It was just easy to do, like, the three of us. But it was definitely missing, like, bass and, like, more, like, a filled out. I want to start this band, but I just, I don't want to bother anybody <laughs> in the process of doing that. I mean, that. it's a big commitment, yeah. you know? You have to take a lot of time out of your weekend and 
There's a lot of logistics, sure. you know? That's why you work with a record label. That's why you have to do all these other things. <laughs> Obviously, one of the big downsides of trying to do everything yourself is that you have to do everything yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That part is kind of feeling newer to me. I mean, like when I was in my old band, we did everything ourselves too, but we all kind of like switched off roles. I feel like it was like very democratic. But yeah, I feel like I'm doing more this time and it's been an interesting learning experience, like having to make more decisions and yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of, of being in a band that's not about playing music, unfortunately. Do you enjoy being the leader? Um, I feel like I like go back and forth. I feel I mean, like you don't strike me as like a, a super like a, assertive person, <laughs> like the way you're describing putting this band together. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not. Um I mean it's a quiet confidence. <laughs> uh no, I I do enjoy like having something where like I get to make decisions. Yeah. I feel like I don't really have that in my life. So that's a nice thing. And I think it's like a good challenge for me to try to like, I don't know. Yeah. Be in charge a little bit and like kind of be the person who, I don't know, like gets the t-shirts made and like organizes all the stuff. I feel like it's fun. It is fun. I'm like teaching myself how to use InDesign. You're already working on a new set of songs for uh, for I guess for the live shows, but also mm -hmm. theoretically for some record down the line. Does the dynamic of the group change when it, you're no longer just working off this long, expansive set of demos? Yeah, kind of, but it's been really fun because then like I can bring in stuff and then we just will like kind of put it together all together in the practice space and like kind of write stuff as it comes, which is fun. And yeah, I mean, it is definitely like a different vibe, yeah. but I think it's good because those other demos, I don't know, you're just like alone. With the exception of the album, which the songs have been in production for 10 plus years. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the, this particular group well, works, likes almost, to work. Almost 10 years, it sounds like. 2008. Yeah. You're, you're right around there. Likes to work really quickly. I think the two other mem members of the band express this sort of like hyper, really sort of energetic, like fast working side of it. But yeah. last practice, we Mark brought in a demo and then we just carved, carved it into a song in one night. And I think, I think we'd rather kind of keep churning out ideas than meticulously work on one. Is it a similar process though, in terms of working from the demos that she brings to the table? Yeah, it's just really been expedited though, because I think we all had this like latent desire to write and sort of craft music. Yeah. But you feel like you have to have sort of a light touch though, in the same way that you did before. Yeah, and that's what makes it nice. I think because it's because we trust one another. I think yeah. you know, if we, if we really don't like something, then we'll we'll speak up, but we'll try it and if it doesn't work then what are the, so the songs are like two minutes yeah. just play it in a different yeah. way <laughs> yeah. two minutes later do you feel like you have to kind of crack the whip on yourself though more than before now that you don't again have a decade <laughs> to write all of these songs <laughs> um yeah a little bit i mean i am definitely like a slow moving person like create creative yeah. person um so yeah i do feel like i guess i do feel a little pressure in that sense to be like oh i should really be like working on more songs i feel like because I took so long with all the other songs, it was like I would write them as I like needed them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so... What, what, what do you mean by, by needed them? Like, I just feel like they were very tied to like 
how I was feeling in that yeah. certain time as opposed to feeling like, oh, I should be writing songs. And they just happened when they happened. Yeah, like I would just be like playing guitar and then feeling good about it. And then I was like, oh, I'll I'll record something now. It was all very like on the fly usually. How do I articulate this? I just think it was more like natural go- coming, like free coming. And then um, yeah. now I do feel Organic. like a little bit more like... I should be thinking about it more. Like, Does that ultimately change the product? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, like thematically, for example, do you find that the songs that you're writing now are, are different? Yeah. Well, I'm also such a different person, yeah. you know? Um, I think I'm like a much happier person. And so I think that the songs are like a little bit brighter and like lyrically just like happier, which I think is good. You're just in a better place in, in, in your life than you were nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all? Maybe? Eh, I don't I mean, know. You know. Well, I don't know if the world's in a year. better place, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm older. I think I feel a little more comfortable and like, I don't know, more comfortable expressing myself and like sharing it with people yeah. than I was before. It's Before interesting. It was such like a secret. In a lot of cases, when people are younger, this stuff is a lot more autobiographical than it becomes. Mm-hmm. Have, have you, but it sounds like you've become, if anything, more so. Yeah, I definitely, I don't know. I haven't really written many songs that like aren't about me yeah. <laughs> or my life or something. I don't know. I think that's just like the usefulness of them to me, why I write songs. Are either of you able to do music full-time at this point not me i mean you kind of get to do a kind of music full-time well I, if you break it down by like my income about half of it comes from music production okay you're working in a studio yeah i have a studio okay you're actually recording bands yeah and- recording okay. and producing and mixing bands and then the other half comes from podcast production okay it's yeah I, the only I, person I, I, I know who's making money doing podcasts <laughs> It's been interesting. I'm just, I'm inching closer and closer towards it being music full time, which yeah. is kind of the dream. But, um, is really that like, the side that you, uh, that you wanted to be on? Is, is production what you wanted to do ultimately? Yeah. I spent some time touring, spent some time, um, just kind of sitting and playing drums or whatever. Yeah. And I always found myself so much more fulfilled in the producer role. It's also nice to play bass in this band. But I think I'm able to, because I'm not physically active, mm. I am sitting there and my ears are doing all the work. I can jot down ideas and re- really remember them and work kind of on the fly. So if I want to try, you know, mixing something in real time or using effects in real time, I can do that without having both my arms flailing while playing drums. So it's, and I feel like the results have been pretty good in the sense that like, I too am much happier, <laughs> not spending that time that I have schlepping around amps and stuff like that. Getting older. <laughs> yeah, you got to seriously, you got to start thinking about that shit. Yeah. One of my friends that we used to share practice space, I think he was like, he wrote on Facebook, like, I'm getting older. I think I need to trade my amp for a smaller one. Like I can't carry it. And I was like, ooh, that's real. That's sort of like physical ailment, but also like maybe ambition at the same time. Maybe like, you know, you're supposed to get larger and larger amps yeah. like the, the more you progress. <laughs> maybe. So music is really just kind of a, a side project for you at this point? Yeah. I mean, 
I think about this so much. I actually think doing music full-time might not be my dream. If you end up doing something in or around what you love, it can ruin that thing for you forever. (laughs) I think for me, I just kind of like thrive having different things going on. Yeah. And I think even the reason why this project has been so fun is because it is just that like I'm not relying on it to make money or anything. Mm -hmm. It's really just like let's have fun and like do something that we really love. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off of it. I don't know. I can just like enjoy myself and not worry about it. I think I'd be really stressed out if I was a full-time musician. What do you do the rest of the time? Um, I work at Kickstarter. Okay. Yeah. I work at Kickstarter full time. So that must be useful when it comes to getting all of your stuff in place, right? Like (laughs) all the t-shirts and everything. All the t-shirts. I mean, Yeah, it's really nice to work in an office that has lots of resources and um, there are lots of like creative people there. There are lots of people who are in bands who work there too. So yeah, it's like I go to work and, you know, I've had way worse jobs. (laughs) It's a really good job. I feel like I get to play music just for fun, like just for me. And I think that feels really good. Do you think that that eventually sort of like tempers your ambitions though when it comes to something like that that you you know you might not potentially have the same drive if you're not expecting or wanting to get to a certain level I mean probably yeah yeah but I don't know I just I I don't know (laughs) I just I just think it's like for me I'm just kind of I need that kind of like stability yeah of like a job and like you know (laughs) supporting myself so I like I guess I just like having both I used to like think about it all the time and felt very torn about it and felt kind of guilty about it like why don't I I don't know like why do I have this job like why don't I try harder to make music my full time maybe if you tried harder you know maybe you would be at a different level yeah but But I think for me I I honestly think like in the past couple years I just kind of realized like this is like the dynamic that works for me right now. Did you talk to a lot of people who like at some at a certain point get to that point in their life and their career where it's just sort of like, this is my last chance to really try this, to really mm-hmm. sort of go all in. But I don't know. Usually those aren't people who live in New York City. <laughs> I know. I I was just thinking, I think, before I came here, like, how many full-time musicians do I know? Or how many people yeah. do I know who are in bands who don't have a full-time job? Or like at least another job, yeah. like bartending or whatever. And I don't really know that many people. But you don't feel like there's going to be a point where you're going to decide that it's sort of, again, that last window to really just go for it? Maybe that will come and I'll like, (laughs) I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But I don't know. I just feel like those are such traditional ways of looking at being a musician. You know, you quit your day job, you go on tour, it just like escalates and escalates. And I don't know, I think like, I kind of like the idea of like, longevity, and of this kind of like, sustainable, creative outlet that I really love. And that I don't, I mean, maybe this is like cynical, but I don't want it to become something that I like resent, or that I dread. Something people don't talk about a lot, when they discuss this is the fact that I mean obviously when you're younger it's easier to squeeze every like drop out of that extra time you have and, yeah you know, maybe you have like a little bit more energy yeah after work but <laughs> there is an upside 
to it, which isn't isn't just the stability of it, but also the fact that, like, in a sense, it it makes the time that you do devote to it more precious, ultimately. Yeah, I really do kind of think that. And I also think, I just think that both things balance each other out. Yeah. I think having things outside of work that you love doing make you more productive at work because you don't want to, like, work really late. You want to, like, do your job and do a good job and then leave and go do the other thing that you really like doing. And I think, yeah, with blush, it's like, it is like precious time that we're all carving out to do. It's not like we're meeting up every day and that's just like what we do every day. It's like, we all have to make an effort to be there. And yeah, it does kind of make it a little more special. I think also like, it's kind of where you get stories and where you kind of relate to actually living your life in the world. Yeah, exactly. And being on the subway and looking at everybody else and kind of being being part of the world rather than there's, sort of there's just... so many second albums that are about like touring and like how shitty yeah, it is to be on the road exactly yeah and i also i just feel like i'm a person with like many aspirations there are many things i like doing yeah so i think i don't know i just like the opportunity to kind of explore all of those things and you're happy with the the result this this record you feel like it's a good culmination of nine years of your life <laughs> yeah i mean i've i've been doing Lots of other things too. <laughs> Just slaving away at these eight two minute songs. Yeah. Um, no, I do feel really happy because yeah. I think it's something that I, if you had asked me nine years ago, I never would have thought that I would have done this. So I feel like proud of myself <laughs> for actually doing it. There you go. That was Mara and Andrew of Blush. Thanks to them for taking the time to do that. Their debut record, their self-titled debut record, is due out on December 8th from Arrowhawk Records. Thanks to Alyssa from Arrowhawk for helping set that up and for introducing me to the bands. If you listen to the show at all, you know that we have the tendency to interview people who have been doing this for uh, for, for quite some time. So it's, it's nice from time to time to talk to a new band. Really enjoy their stuff. Highly recommend you check it out. Thanks to them. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate us on iTunes or wherever it is at your podcasts. You can uh, like us on Facebook. If you got a little money to send our way on Patreon, that would be much appreciated as well. If you've got any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Falls on Tumblr, that's rylcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all your RIYL related information. And that's it for uh, this episode. So stick around because we'll be back in a matter of days with another episode of RIYL. <laughs>